Welcome to the Business Excellence for Managers podcast, which is dedicated for all of you leaders and executives who would like to continuously improve your business performance. This podcast is sponsored by Wave Business Excellence Footprint, the digital training company that cares about your development, your employees' development, and your business performance. You can find all the courses for you and your employees under www.wave-bef.com. Today's episode is all about how to master your talk. Every time we speak, we can either make a good, a neutral, or a negative impact on the people in front of us. Spending over two decades in the senior management world, I have come across some good and some not-too-good communicators. This had a direct correlation to their business's overall performance. Managers are in a people business and people need to know the tools and tricks on how to communicate effectively with other people. I have the honor to present you an amazing guest from Canada. His name is Brendan Kumarasamy, who is the founder of MasterTalk, where he helps us master the art of public speaking and communication. Brendan has coached many business people on how to give outstanding presentations. He then quickly realized that public speaking was not always an easy task to master. There are many factors that make people afraid to get on stage and present confidently. Because of this, he created a channel to help you master even the slightest details of your pitch so you can gain the confidence to deliver the best presentations you have ever dreamed of. Today we're going to discuss the importance of presentation and communication skills as a manager. If you have people reporting to you or you communicate regularly to head office or to higher level executives, then this episode is for you. I'm excited to introduce you to this amazing guest, Brendan, who by the way, had a bit of a cold and a congested nose on the day of this conversation. Nevertheless, I was delighted that he agreed to proceed with the recording and provide you with value. Hello, Brendan, and welcome to the Business Excellence for Managers podcast. It's great to be here, Juan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. And looking at your profile and your bio, it's so amazing to see your background. So could you tell us your story and describe how you found your passion and how you created MasterTalk? Happy to. So for me, the journey started in business school. I went to college for accounting, funny enough. I thought I was going to be a numbers guy my whole life, Juan. But then what happened... <laughs> was while I was studying in accounting, I started competing in case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, Juan, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing football or basketball or baseball. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching other students on how to communicate ideas, not because I was a coach, but because I just wanted to help the students get better. And then I accidentally got really good at coaching people how to speak. And then a few years later, I had the idea for the YouTube channel Master Talk because I felt, oh, wait a second, everything I'm sharing with them isn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos and the rest was history. Amazing. And I think with talking, it's one of those things that you really need to practice, you know, because some people say, okay, I know the techniques, theory sounds good, but if you never really apply it and do presentation after presentation, then I notice somehow it just does not really sit yeah, until you really do it. Is that same experience on your side as well? Absolutely, Juan. You know, for me, it's always about saying the best way to speak is to speak. You know, you could listen to me and t you talk all day, but <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get better at communication, you actually got to talk 
that's how you get better. <laughs> so I agree. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's probably like driving a car. Yeah. If you just drive it, I don't know, once a year for one hour, then maybe you're not such a good driver as someone who's just doing it every single day for a couple of hours. Yeah. So. And that's why I'm a terrible yeah. driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as this podcast is mainly for managers, could you tell us why it is so important for managers to be able to properly present and communicate? Absolutely. So the reason is really simple. As your career scales, are your communication skills scaling with your career? What does that mean? What that means is in managerial roles and executive roles, as you get promoted, more and more of your job becomes people management, how you deal with people, how you manage them, how you talk to them. And your metrics start to change from, hey, did you finish the project to how many people on your team are still on the team, haven't left what kind of environment are you creating for the people that are working for you? And of course, as you get promoted more and more, the teams that you're managing get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like if you become an SVP of a, of a company like IBM, you're going to have hundreds of people under you. So you won't ever be able to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. So as you get promoted in any company, Juan, your ability to communicate becomes more and more important because you won't be able to do one-on-one -on -one meetings as much as you used to, and you'll have to speak a lot more effectively in town halls to larger groups of people. And that's really the reality of the situation. Yeah. Amazing, because this, I think, fits very well to my next question, which is, what do you think is the most common challenge that managers have when communicating and presenting? So now that they have gotten to that level, and as you just mentioned, yeah, they're doing a lot of town halls, they're doing a lot of presentations, maybe for head office. What is it that usually you have seen is quite challenging for them? You know, for me, at the end of the day, there's a lot of different micro things we can talk about. How do you give feedback in a way that inspires people? How do you answer questions in a boardroom to convey confidence? But honestly, the most important one is consistency. We don't reward the person who goes to the gym once, Juan. We reward the person who goes to the gym five times a week. We admire that person. We go, wow. It's not they're doing anything differently. They're just showing up more. But unfortunately, managers don't spend any time outside of work working on their communication skills. So their skill set is always stagnant. It never gets better over time. That's why for me, the advice always becomes start booking 15 minutes in your calendar every single week. Not every day, just every week on the weekend or something to work on your communication skills. That's how you get better over time. Look, let me give you an example of what I mean here. There's an exercise I teach called the question drill where we get asked questions all the time in our life, at school, at work, in the boardroom. But a lot of us are not prepared for those questions. Like I'll give you an example with me. A few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts like this, I sucked. I remember some guy asked me, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I look at the guy and I go, <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, man. Germany, you tell me. <laughs> so how did I fix this? Every single day, I answered one question for five minutes that I thought somebody would ask me about my expertise. So day one was, where does the fear come from? Day two was, what tips do you have for introverts? But if you do that once a day for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. You'll be bulletproof, but most managers are not booking five minutes a day to do the exercise. 
that's really good stuff because it just brings me a little bit of flashback during the days when I used to facilitate uh, Six Sigma training and also change management training. We had some icebreakers that we would do with the participants. And one of them is actually cuts quite close to what you were mentioning. It was a game that I bought on Amazon. It's like uh, looking at dice and you throw the dice on a table, but instead of seeing those little dots for the numbers, it had like images, like maybe an image of an airplane, an image of a boat and, and certain different other icons. And then the people had to just look at those icons in that sequence that had to make up a story. And it's like a storytelling uh, exercise. And that was something that I just realized. It's like, wow, that was so challenging for people. There were sometimes I just did not know what to say. And I'm like, wow, what's going on here? We're just trying to have a bit of fun, but everybody's like stuck. Yeah, And, and that's one of the things that I noticed. If you don't have practice and really just shooting something out naturally, then that's something that you really should, as you said, yeah, book the time on your schedule and try to do it over and over again until it just becomes natural. And that's something I think I've never done before. So I, I definitely need to do that. <laughs> very good. Yeah, so that's a very good way, I think, for managers to get out of that sticking point. Because after a while, you just say, I've been already many years in this management role and I'm presenting all right. So they just do not have like that motivation to just go the next level. And I think that's one of the good tools that you just mentioned to us. A little bit step forward. And it's always that continuous improvement mindset. Yeah. Absolutely, Juan. And the point that you just mentioned is really, really important that I want to double tap on. You said that, hey, managers don't really have the motivation anymore because they've been doing this for many years. And that is 100% true. And the reason is because they don't think about the gap between where they are and who they want to be. Let me give you an example. So let's say we're coaching a manager. They're sitting in the room with us on this podcast. And they're saying, you know, I want to move up in my career. So I asked the manager, well, which role do you want in the next three to five years? And that manager says, oh, I want to be C-level executive, COO, CTO, CMO, or at least an SVP. And I go, great. How do current SVPs or C-suite communicate? And what is the gap between you and them? And the gap's massive, right? Because C-level executives, high SVPs, they have to go to industry conferences. They have to speak on panels. They have to guest on podcasts. They always need to show up because they are a part of the company brand now. People see the company through their own eyes now. So if you don't show up at those conferences, you don't get the results. But it's that gap that people don't think about. When you really think about that gap, that's what creates the motivation to do those exercises and get better. Yeah, so, so true. I can just think back to my time in the corporate world as a manager. And yeah, it's so true. <laughs> and one of the things I've also noticed in my case, for example, I gave so many presentations during the time when I was as a chief quality officer at a large corporation that sometimes my voice would just disappear and I could just lose the power. Is there any tricks that you use so that um, my voice can still be in the morning just as good as in the afternoon? So Because sometimes it just goes away. It's just like loses power. <laughs> for sure, Juan. You know, for me, what I would say, the best way is to build up stamina over time. So for example, one thing I've done in my career is sometimes I do 10 podcast interviews in a row. Not because I have to, not because I need to, I just want to work on my stamina. But at the beginning, it doesn't start that way, right? It starts with one podcast a day. And then you're like, okay, this is challenging. <laughs> and then you do two podcasts a day. You're like, okay, this is challenging. And then you keep creeping up that muscle over time. That's what I would encourage you to do. Except the problem with this exercise, with this approach, Juan, is that it's really hard to quantify improvements in your stamina. Like, how do you know if you're getting better? 
So the only way to really do this is kind of like push-ups. If you do one push-up a day, and then the next day you do two, the next day you do three, and then in 30 days you do 30 push-ups, it's easy to see, wow, I'm so much better at this now. And that gives you momentum and confidence to say, oh my God, I can be so great at this exercise. But for us, what that looks like in communication, for me anyways, is the number of random word exercises you could do in a day. So the random word exercise is another drill, which is similar to the one that you taught around throwing a dice, except you don't need a dice for my version of it, which is you pick a word like light bulb and home and house, and you just create a random 60 second presentation. But to work on your stamina, what I would do is to tally up the number. So day one, do one, day two, do two, day 100, try 100 in a day, and that helps you work on your stamina over time. Perfect. And have you also noticed that the power of your voice itself, of the vocal cords, does it have anything to do with your breathing or is breathing not that important when it comes to your voice? <laughs> so what I would say, Juan, it's, it's a great question. I'm not an expert in that area, but what I will say though, what I do know about vocal tones that I can definitely teach is the idea of varying your tone. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say this is my normal tone. This is my high tone, which is 20% higher than how I speak. And this is my low tone. So this is 20% lower than how I speak. But everyone has that. It's just your high vocal tone, Juan, is my normal tone. Because I'm just louder naturally. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. But the mistake that we make is we stay in the same tonality. Whether we're introverts or extroverts, it's the same mistake. So if you're an introvert, you stay low all the time. You're always speaking like this all the time. But notice that even if I'm low, I can still vary my tones with a low bass, right? You notice that? Like as an introvert, I could still vary it. Whereas with extroverts, the problem is you're too loud all the time. So it's high all the time, which is still a problem. So if you're high all the time, you threaten your audience. So now you have to be able to do this. Notice I'm going down, then up, down, then up. Whereas with introverts, it's the same thing, but you're just doing it with a lower range, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. And I think that it would also do really good to the vocal cords because they don't get so run off. Yeah, they, You don't wear it off so easily if you're constantly up there in that tone and for two, three hours. And then at, at some point of time, your vocals are just like, okay, man, let's take a break. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, my voice is gone. And what is your definition of a manager who is a good communicator and presenter? What, what is it like when you go there and you see somebody on stage, you say, hey, he's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, like what comprises a great presentation? A couple of things. I would say the most important thing, Juan, and it's counterintuitive, has nothing to do with the slides, has nothing to do with the presentation, it has everything to do with the leader's demeanor whenever they're sharing their thoughts. Let me give you an example. There's a big difference between I don't know and I don't know. Pay attention to this. So the first version of I don't know, let's say when somebody asks you a question in a boardroom, like the example you gave, some something more like this. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, uh, I don't really know. So notice how I look stressed. I look worried. Versus if you ask the same question and I still don't know, I'll say, Juan, I actually don't know. Let me get back to the team and, and uh, really help you with this question. I still don't know, but the way that I'm showcasing that energy is completely different. The way that I'm projecting means it's completely different. So the first leader 
I'm thinking to myself, why is that person a leader? They don't know what they're doing. They're lost. Whereas the second leader goes, oh, they just don't know the answer to the question. They'll get back to me. That's fine. So they're not worried. Your audience isn't worried. So the number one trait that I'm looking for in a great presenter in corporate is how convicted you are and how composed you are in the face of pressure. That's really what I'm thinking about. Because when you're a leader of the highest level of any organization, you don't know with 100% certainty if your decisions are the right ones. You don't. The skill of a leader is even if you're not sure, you're still able to create conviction in the minds of the people who follow you and they choose to go into the direction you choose, whether it's the right one or not. And that's really the number one trait above all others. That's amazing. I haven't seen it that way. I was somehow always thinking like, oh, maybe his capacity of doing storytelling or any other things. But that what you just said right now makes total sense. Thanks for clarifying that. Of course. And what are your services that you offer to your clients? I'm so impressed about your business that you have put together called Master Talk. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? So Master Talk is two things. So the first thing is it's a media company. You know, my mission, my goal with Master Talk, hence why I'm sharing all these tips for free, and I always will, is I want to bring communication to the world. I want every human being to have access to free communication knowledge so that they can share their ideas with the world. That's why I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a coach like me. So that's my mission. That's why I started Master Talk. But the second arm of Master Talk is the coaching practice. So how do I sustain the media company? Very simple. I work with very high-level executives, managers, VPs, SVPs in corporate, and also people who are entrepreneurs. And I work with them privately to get the results that they're speaking. So one of those areas is presentation skills, getting rid of the ums and ahs, getting them to open their eyes a little bit more, change their pacing, not being monotone, and changing and fixing that and having them answer questions more effectively. So basically what we do is we breed bulletproof executives. And that's what I do privately in my coaching practice. That's so good. I'm feeling actually quite intimidated. Yeah, listening to this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten any kind of training on how to speak or how to give presentations. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, you probably now are just analyzing everything that I'm doing, <laughs> somehow good, somehow bad. And it's like, mm, he needs some coaching, this guy. <laughs> no, I, I turned that off during interviews. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I feel much better. <laughs> If an employee is not performing so well and me as a manager need to speak with this person, how would you recommend as the managers communicate constructive feedback without demotivating the employee? So you can at least say, okay, we ended the meeting, the employee got the message, but we are still all feeling good. So let's assume for the sake of this conversation, the example you gave, that the employee's been doing well over the last few months, except they had a hump along the road. So for me, whenever there is something wrong that's happening in somebody's performance, the first place to start is always, hey, what's happening with you? Is everything okay? And just ask them, open-ended question. Like, it's not going to affect your performance, Roger. You know, I know you've been doing so well. You're one of our best employees. What's happening? Is there something in your personal life or something like that that's got you? And usually it is. Usually it is. That's the first part of it, is have them open up empathetically about what they're doing. So maybe it's just time off that they need. Maybe it's just a few weeks of vacation and helping them realign to their targets. And that's what creates loyalty with your employees, right? It's not when times are good, it's when times are tough. What do you do in those tough situations? That's why Alex Hormozzi says love is sacrifice, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you're able to sacrifice for somebody else, that's real love. And I agree with that. 
That's one piece. The other piece, which will apply in 80% of cases, 90% of cases, is my three-part framework on how to always deliver negative criticism in a way that always empowers people and never, never makes them feel like they suck. So the three-part framework is write, rank, deliver. Write, rank, deliver. Number one is write. Write just means it doesn't matter who you're giving feedback to. Get into the habit of writing extraordinarily harsh feedback, and I'll explain why later. So let's say I'm giving feedback to a, somebody at my company and their name is David. I'm going to write out all of the things that I think are wrong with David every single time my piece of paper. And the reason you do this, you don't tell David everything, but the reason you do this is because if David's the number one employee in your company, he wants all of that feedback because he's the superstar. If Julie is the number one employee, she's the superstar that wants all of that feedback. They eat that stuff for breakfast. So that's number one. Number two is rank. This is where most managers go wrong. The reason why all of these people get demotivated is because the mistake is managers will take that piece of paper and throw it on people. So when they get onto a feedback call, they go, okay, Juan, you did all these 15 things really badly. So when you leave that call, you're thinking, oh my God, I'm fired. I'm finished. Whereas the right way to do this is you take that 15 piece feedback and you rank it in ease of implementation. Let me say it differently. You rank it in the order of how easy it is to implement for the person in front of you. So let's say I'm coaching somebody on speaking and I have two feedback points for them. The first feedback point is the way that you're structuring your content is inefficient for the quality of the message that you're delivering to your end audience to close $100,000 in deals this quarter. And the second feedback point is you don't smile enough. Which one am I going to share first? Right? Yeah. Smiling. Because that's what's easy. So I'm going to start with that. And then what happens, let's say we take Roger. Roger's going to go back to the boardroom. He's going to smile better. And I'm going to say, wow, Roger, you're so good, man. You implemented that feedback so quickly. And then Roger wants more feedback. Then I go down the list. And then the third part of the piece is deliver. The way we deliver feedback to a 50-year-old tenured executive is very different than the way we deliver feedback to our five-year-old daughter, to a five-year-old girl. It's completely different. So if I'm giving speaking feedback to a five-year-old girl, I'm not saying, hey, look, Julia, the way you're showing up today sucks. You're doing all of this wrong. Your vocal tone varieties are off. Of course not. I look at Julia, I smile, I crouch down to her level, and I say, you have such a beautiful voice, Julia. And you have such a beautiful smile. If you just give a great presentation, you'll be fine. Because that's what Julia wants, right? She wants a little boost of con. She's just a little girl. But with my 50-year-old executive, I'm slapping that guy. It's like, hey, you need to deliver this message if you want to get to the next level. So we deliver differently. And that, let's recap, and then I'll throw it back to you, Juan. Write harsh feedback. Rank it from easy to hard. Start with easy stuff first. And only give the hard stuff when they've implemented the easy stuff. And then the third piece is deliver based on the personality you're speaking to. So some people like me, the tolerance level for feedback is very high. Like you could tell me I'm the worst podcast guest ever and I'll be really excited by that. I'll be like, oh, why? Like, how can I get better? And there's other people who are really sensitive. So you just got to deliver differently.
Excellent. I, I really love that, especially the the second part where you will be able to, together with the employee, see continuous improvement because then the employee on one side will feel good because they say, hey, I'm actually getting the hang of it. I can now start improving myself. And then they get the next little task to accomplish and to get better at. Yeah? And it's always, as you said, it's going to get then more difficult, not more difficult, but at least they already feel more encouraged and uh, happy about that process that they are doing together with their manager. I really like that. Yeah, Thanks for sharing that with us. One final question I have is if we have a manager who's going to give a presentation in the next couple of days, what would be one of the things you could recommend them to do or to think about when he's up there on stage and say, okay, I just heard that podcast a couple of days ago and Brendan just said, pay attention on that. What would that be? <laughs> yeah, great question, Juan. Puzzle. So puzzle just means in communication or as kids rather, we used to do these things called jigsaw puzzles. You know those little puzzle pieces? Yeah. pieces, you put them together. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so, question for you, Juan. You might or might not know the answer, which is totally fine. When you work on a jigsaw puzzle, which pieces do you start with first and why? Oh, good question. Intuitively, I would say mm, I would probably start with the edges, which I hope is right. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, so, now the question is why, Juan? The reason is because... They're easier to find in the box, ah, yeah. right? Because they got those little yeah. edge pieces to them. You pull them out. They're exactly. easier to put together. <laughs> so you had the perfect answer there. So now the question is, why am I even talking about this? The reason I'm talking about this is because when managers prepare presentations in the boardroom, here's how it usually goes. They do the opposite. They shove a bunch of content in their presentation. <laughs> they ramble throughout the whole thing. And the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so, uh, thanks. Not the right approach. So instead, what you want to do is practice like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Do the introduction of your pitch 10, 15 times. Seems like a big number. Brendan, I'm busy. I'm a manager. It takes 30 minutes to do that because your introduction is two minutes. Yeah. That's it. 10, 15 times will take you 30 minutes. So even if you have a presentation in three days, you have more than enough time. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. So same thing with the ending, 10, 15 times. Close it out strong, another 30 minutes, and then tackle the middle. If you just work on the edges, that's 80% of the battle. Because if you mess up the beginning, no one's listening to the rest of your presentation. But if you do really well at the beginning and your middle is average... People don't really notice. They go, oh my God, Juan's introduction was so good. It's so, wow, magical. So they're just paying attention to that. And then the ending, if it's magical too, they'll forget about how bad the middle was. That's the way I would do it if I was crunching for time. That is really good. I really like that. And I'm definitely going to be using that the next time I'm on stage. Thanks for sharing that, Brendan. And, and I think also when you end it really good, then at least they will probably just start thinking about those last couple of minutes when you just said that last few words and like, wow, that really sits. Yeah, that really, I somehow memorized that. They probably forgot about all the 30 minutes you were talking about before that, but then they remember the last couple of sentences. That's nice. Final point is where can we find you? Absolutely, Juan. Great to be on the show, by the way. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just type Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is the website, 
so you can join one of our communication workshops. It's absolutely free and it's online over Zoom. I do one every two weeks myself. And if you want to jump on one of those calls, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com and you'll get to see me apply a lot of the tips that we talked about today on that Zoom call. So you'll get a lot more out of it. Excellent. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Brendan, for your time. And I'm definitely going to be applying a couple of tools that we learned today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Amazing. Thanks, Juan. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brendan as much as I did. In the show notes, you will find all the links on where to find Brendan and how to contact him. Before you listen to anything else, I encourage you to pause for a moment, reflect on what was discussed, and choose at least one action point out of this episode and try it out. Feel free to let me know how it went. Your feedback is important to my team and me so we can continuously improve the value we deliver as we want to give you the most from each episode. Please rate, subscribe, send in your comments and share with those who you think could profit from this episode. It's very much appreciated and I'm grateful for your messages. I am also a work in progress and strive to do things better every day. This podcast was sponsored by Wave Business Excellence Footprint, where we believe that investing in yourself and in your employees is the best investment. Therefore, if you are interested in finding out more about courses and certification programs that were designed for you as a manager to further boost your business excellence initiative, then please go to the Courses for Managers tab in the company website www.wave-bef.com where we have seven interesting courses for you as a leader. On the other hand, if you want to further develop your team members and your high performers so that they can all bring even more value by learning new skills and methods for solving process issues, then please select Courses for Employees tab on our website. In case you already have team members who are certified in any Lean Six Sigma level, then we also have extra courses for them as well. Thank you, stay tuned and see you in the next episode of Business Excellence for Managers.